1: For you, you know, like I mean, was it always always like that, or you just decided to take the dive since podcast? You know, what is our uh, over three million podcasts now, and you decided to go all in on it and make it your life?
2: It's crazy, you know. I didn't decide anything. It was, what's the next thing, you know? So podcasting was, this is something I can add to the platform to create visibility. This is something I can do to. uh, Increase reach, uh, viewership—you know all those wonderful things. You know, I'm trying to get attention for authors and their books. I'm trying to get attention for local businesses, or you know, maybe there's a writer trying to you know build a platform to uh, then pitch their book or or give build an audience for their book to land on when they're ready. And it's like, well, it's it was a natural addition.
1: Yeah. Do you think that podcasts are still kind of a wild, wild? West, I guess you could say that, you know, people are trying to figure them out still, you know, what works, like you said earlier, a theme for the month or should we stick to a certain, you know, I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into a certain topic Yeah. when I started this because I wanted to be able to talk to everybody and anybody about anything and everything, you know, except, you know, some people are like, oh, you should keep it as fitness or, you know, do it all about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And it's like, no, but then I feel like I'd get bored with that. You know, I wanted to expand my learning, I guess you could say.
2: So I think there's a huge community around this, as you know, right? We met uh, via Podmatch. And so there's more and more support communities for podcasters now. But I really think it depends on what your intention is uh, with a podcast. Is it a hobby? Is it just something for you to do to connect with people? Uh, Is it something that you're actually adding to your business model as a lead generator? What is the intention? So The the clearer you have to be depends on the direction you're heading in. For me, uh, there's branding associated with podcasting that makes it very intentional, very focused. I'm I'm looking for a specific guest for a month for a topic. I'm uh, reviewing fiction books versus nonfiction books because... I'm looking at self-improvement and leadership this month or I'm looking at personal growth or uh, next month I'm looking at women fantasy writers like this might be the thing and that's what I'm looking for so yeah it really depends on your intention
1: so you've always been a book lover like since day one
2: well you know what I wasn't I didn't read a lot when I was growing up (laughs) (laughs) I I love books because I love self-improvement and I always want to be growing I want always want to be a better me than I was yesterday I like that yeah and it's not about being better than anybody else it's just how do I improve me Mm -hmm. and so not just self-improvement I mean there was actually a friend of mine that said to me Uh, You should read my books. And she had written books before we'd actually started doing business together. And they were fiction books. And I said, well, I don't read fiction. You know, because I wasn't. I wasn't reading fiction. And any time I had read, it was with the intention to obtain knowledge and, and, and get it in here. And so that I could have that certificate with the credentials on it. And it wasn't for escape. And then she was a fiction and a nonfiction writer. And her name's Faith Wood. Might as well just put it out there. Um, her books, I started reading them. And uh, she says, well, you read, you learn from fiction too. And it's true. It is so true. I have learned so much more by letting fiction into my world. Uh, I've broadened my uh, awareness. I've in my creativity, my imagination." And it was, you know, it was a, a mess that I wasn't doing it in the first place. And I was so glad that she she had actually challenged me on it.
1: You know, I, I relate to you a little bit because I really like those self-improvement books. And mm. I don't, I don't even remember the first one I read, really. I mean, to get me started on that path. But anyway, I guess my question or whatever I, my point is that I'll, some people don't really like them just because they almost say the same exact thing in a different way. You know, in every book, you know, it's always like, oh, you know, work harder, do better, you know, take this path instead of the alternate path, challenge yourself. And people are like, no, I get tired of reading them and stuff. But I was like, but it seems like I just keep reading them. And but I always get kind of what you said. I get a little something out of each one, like a pearl or gem. But yeah, but I guess really vague topic is almost the same thing, as you know. But that's what I want. Like you said, I want to be better than yesterday. I want to grow and I want to learn something new. and. Um. yeah, I've always just related to that type of – and related to people who were just the exact same mindset as that, you know?
2: Have you read The Prophet?
1: No, never heard of it.
2: Uh, When I was a teenager, that was my – that book changed me. Uh, I had been a teenager that I was just kind of on my own. I didn't really care about peer pressure, and I didn't really hang out with anybody. And I was just kind of doing my own thing. And that book – Really gave me perspective. and it gave me uh, and the Jonas, Jonathan Livis, oh I can't even say it. Jonathan Livingston Siegel was another one. and I got a Richard Bach. Um, those series of books opened up my mind. And it just there was no limits anymore. You know, and as a teenager, that's how I approached life. It, yeah. you know, it wasn't I didn't feel limited or that you can't or you're feeling any of those things. And I, I credit those those books for giving me a, a mindset like that.
1: What's us uh, what's a prophet about? I mean, give me the Reader's Digest yeah. for everyone.
2: <laughs> it's Carl Gerben and it's philosophy. Oh, OK. Yeah. So it's definitely a a way of life and seeing the world. It it just opens up perspective.
0: I'll get the synopsis
2: on it so that I can give you a better idea. But uh, basically, it's 26 prose poetry type fables that Mm -hmm. um, are just ways of looking at life.
1: Yeah, I'm writing it down here in my notes right here. But yeah, that was one of, you know, I've never really been a huge reader. And I've been, as i gotten older and I like got out of college and everything, I've tried to make myself read one book a month. And most, oh. of, my, yeah, and most of my time, I do audiobooks anyway, just because... I can do other things while you know, go take the dogs for a walk, go get groceries. I can do other things while I'm listening to whatever. So it helps me. I love audio.
2: I love audio. Go to sleep and wake up to audio books. <laughs> That's my.
1: <laughs> well, some people are like, "Well, you're not really reading." I was like, "Well, I think I am," and you know, I'm still getting something out info,
2: of it. The info's going in. What I
1: think, you know, and then plus, you know. uh, if I actually am actually reading a book, you know, actually, like, how do you pronounce that word, you know, or whatever. So I can actually hear it pronounced the right way instead of, you know, how I pronounce it. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I get a lot more out of it that way. But, uh, I forgot where I was going with my point now, but my, I guess my point is that, you know, I've just learned that, you know, reading is kind of what you were saying. Like I'm opening up my perspectives on life and in the same way with podcasts, you know, I've even when I started listening to podcasts, maybe 2016, 2017 and, I started you know, listening to these long podcasts, I was like, oh, you know, it's just like an actual conversation. It's like, oh, but listening to how, you know, instead of like watching the news or whatever, like people get these certain talking points and they talk for five minutes and they're done. But you now yeah. actually listen to somebody explain their viewpoints and you know within 10, 15, 20 minutes, and it's like, oh, this is why they're thinking the way they think. You know, it's not just somebody takes out a contest, makes a snapshot of it, throws it out there, and it's like, oh, this is why my favorite color is blue. Oh, this makes sense. You know, kind of what you're saying. This is why I love reading like the book, you know, the prophet changed my life, you know, and this is what kind of draws me into these things. So I guess that was my point I was trying to make.
2: Well, I've heard your podcasts and I enjoy that you bring up books that you have read. And so, you know, you often query uh, your guests on whether or not they've read the book you have so that you can create conversation around it. I really enjoy that.
1: There's a, I mean, you get so much out of it. And plus, you know, because I might get something out of, if, you know, I wrote down the profit right here, so it's on my list. And I might get something out of it completely different than what you got out of it. And it's like, oh, you know, then it makes sense. And then you can kind of, you know, it's not like a book club, I guess, but you can go, go back and forth. Like, oh, how did you feel, you know, feel about it? How did you feel about it? You know?
2: yeah. So let me give you this quote out of the book, because okay. I think this will uh, just kind of bait you a little bit. It says, much of your pain is self-chosen.
1: Much of your pain is self-chosen. So it's like you're making yourself your own worst enemy.
2: It's in your mind. It's in your, your mind. perspective, you know?
1: Yeah. I've always had that a fault. I guess you could say that I'm always my own worst enemy. Some people out <laughs> yeah. on that. Yeah,
2: we are. We are our worst enemy, best friend and worst enemy. So we got to pick one.
1: Why do you, th- why do you think that is? You think it's just, you know, from childhood or just life or just how you were brought up your environment, or is just you know, you Want to be so successful, then you get worried about being successful and you just start to doubt yourself. I mean, I guess, you know, D, all the above can play into that.
2: So success is um, to the definition of it. Society's view of what success is, too, um, is not something that I buy into. Uh, you know, I don't care about the dollar amount in my bank account. You know, that's not what success is to me. Then My big house, my big car, my whatever I've got in it. Uh, my boat, my yacht, whatever. Those, uh, the trip I get to take and the, the caviar I get to eat, those are not my ideas of success. Sure. You know? uh, so it, it is, there's so many reasons why we get on the side of not loving ourselves and driving ourselves nuts and the self-talk that just really is self-defeating. It's defeating. Uh, and we... Take on the perspective of others, good and bad. Interesting. We we take on society's whatever pigeonholing they want to put us in, you know. So it happens for women. It happens for uh, minorities. It happens for men. Society says that you're supposed to live in this space, and that's where you fit. And if you don't fit there, then where do you fit? You don't fit. Right. Uh, and we buy into that. We buy into it. And that's where part of our brain junk comes from.
1: I agree 100% that, you know, it seems like, you know, you're told what success is. And, but a lot of people don't want to figure out what, what you said their own, what, what is success to them and how do you measure it? You know, what I mean, you know, I usually measure my friendships, my relationships, my health. And it's, I try kind of treat it like a bank account. You know, if it's, you know, in the red, then I'm not doing too well, you know. And then if, you know, if I'm the black or the green, however accounting works, you know, then I'm like, oh, okay, then I am doing, you know, and that's what success is to me, you know, like I like nice things, don't get me wrong, you know, and, you know, I've always sold. I wanted a Dodge Viper when, you know, I get older and stuff. That's one of my favorite cars, but, you know, it's also not also, or always about that. And it's a false narrative, I think, that we put on younger generations and that the education system saying, hey, you need to get more education. You need to have a huge bank account. You need to have a big house and a boat and you know, live in a Hamptons or whatever to be successful, which that's great. I'm not, you know, saying it's not great, but Mm -hmm. everyone has their own definition of success. Like everyone has their own definition of, you know, I, I mean, I coach and train CrossFit, you know, on the side too. And, you know, people are Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I want a perfect body or whatever. And if you ask them that, you know, everyone's got their own definition of what a perfect body is. You know, some people want huge muscles and, you know, like a bodybuilder, other people just want to be lean, fit and be able to walk around the park. No problem. Walk their dog. So I want
2: my pants not to be so tight. Exactly. And on the scale and not have it say a number I don't like. <laughs> there's all kinds of things, right? So yeah, there's <sighs> two. Once you have the Dodge Viper and you're sitting in it, there's going to be something else. Uh-huh. That's you know, this just does just it. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean it's just I don't know. Like we were just saying, you know, it's false narratives and, you know, that's what civilization puts on us. But, you know, we always have to have something more. There's always the next thing. There's always the next thing. Then when we get it, you know, we think we'll make it us happy. Then it does for a day or two, maybe. And then you're, you're on to the next thing, which, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of, I guess, shitting on it, but I'm not shitting on it at the same time. I mean, I like materialistic things, but I don't want them to rule my life. I guess that's my point, whole point. And I think a lot of people let them rule their life.
2: Well, and another quote is, and I, and I believe in this the most about success, is trust in the dreams. So a lot of us are so caught up in what somebody else's definition of success looks like. I have to have that job. I have to have that girlfriend. I have to have that car. I have to have that boyfriend, that house, that that new coat, those new shoes, yeah. that they don't even have a clue what their dreams are because they're so busy living for everybody else and what everybody else's standards of everything are. And when their dreams try to creep in and tell them this, this is where you want to live. This is where you want to play. They don't trust them.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, even with the, uh, you know, you do a lot of work with writers and stuff and just, Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody's wanting to write it, you know, write their book or whatever, but are they being told like, hey, you need to write it this way in order to be successful? You know, you need it or you can't just have your own thoughts. You know, you, we want you to lead toward this narrative and in, in order for the book to be, you know, the next Harry Potter or whatever. I hope that kind of makes sense. What I'm trying to ask.
2: Yeah, they, they talk about uh, saleability, Right. So is it marketable? Can you sell it? Yeah. Uh, does the story have enough direction and meat? Is it impactful? Does it speak to? the trend, those sorts of things. Yeah, they happen. Totally. They happen. Uh, Should we buy into them? No, I don't know. Uh, You know, uh, build what you want to build, leave, you know, it's your legacy. (laughs) If your name's going to go on it, you better be happy with it.
1: Sure. I mean, I don't know, but, or or somebody to say, Hey, maybe if I just write my first book this way, Get it done, get it over with. In the next book, I can actually leave my legacy with that book. But in order to get my name out there, I better do it the way they want me to. Just to again, who are you doing it for? Well, you know, you're trying to you're trying to get yourself out there, right? You know, you're trying to. I get. I agree, though. I mean, it's not you're you're not doing it for yourself, but you know, I feel like you know, some people want to take the shortcuts, like oh, if I just do this one book, I'll be set. You know, then I can do my own thing.
0: You know, so
2: I believe that we're all here with gifts to give. Ooh. And what happens is that we buy in to somebody else's definition of what that should be instead of letting it live. So you'll have a direction. You'll have something that speaks to you and says, your book needs to be like this because. And when you let somebody else talk you out of that, you're disingenuous.
1: No, I agree. Yeah. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here, but I'm just wondering. <laughs> yeah. It's like on the other side of it, you know, just. I love it. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just trying to think like, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I've always been scared of writing. Well, not really scared of it. I'm just, I'm not very good at it and I'm just never sat and tried to make myself better at it, you know? And, you know, that's one of the reasons I never went for my doctorate. I, and if I've talked about this before on here, I'm sorry folks, but, you know, cause I didn't want to write a dissertation and I didn't want to write a thesis and all that, you know? And, uh, and even when I was doing my master's, I, I took the internship route instead of the thesis route because I was like, oh, I'll never need to do all that. I don't ever plan on it. But now I kind of wish I would have. But, um, yeah, just, you know, I feel like now if I was trying to write something, I mean, is the best way to go write a self-improvement book and just to get my name out there, then kind of go from there and just try to, you know, you know, get on the market. And then that way it's like, oh, well, then, you know, he wrote this book. Maybe his next one will be more Genuous, like you were saying, instead of just writing to what the editors or whoever the marketer people want.
2: So I can say that my job is not a writing coach. My job is to help um, writers build platforms and and then get seen after they've done the deed. I do help with the, um, you know, the arcs, the advanced reading copies. I do help with a little bit of formatting and editing. But uh, hooking up with a, a writing coach would be great because... Then what you can do is you can go through all the different options that are there. Uh, so you could actually write a book that's somewhat of a memoir or biography, and you could talk about your life and the lessons you've learned in your life, and then spin it so that, uh, you know, you, you're. if you wanted to move it into, say, your fitness and your nutrition coaching, mm-hmm. you could then spin. Put the expert spin on it so that you could say, uh, this is why I'm an expert in this. These are the sports that I love. This is what's gone on in my life to send me in this direction. This is how come I'd be a great coach for you.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but it, it has to feel good to you to do that.
1: No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm with you, but um, I want to ask, you know, with working with authors and stuff, is it hard to get their stuff out there. Is it in today's times? I mean... Are you seeing like less of a market for books or is it people just moving to podcasts and just listening to social media and stuff and getting all their information that way instead of just sitting down and reading a book anymore? You know, I think
2: a lot of it is depending on how you publish. I mean, there's so many ways to publish now, right? So you could be an indie publisher where you self-publish and whether or not you have help with that because there are self-publishing schools and there are communities built around that um whether you go traditional publishing and the publisher still has a hand in helping you uh market your book is is different too um you know people who are have already made names for themselves and have this you know likely child you know where they're they're being Netflix series now, uh, you know, or their movie their books are being made into movies, and those sort—that's a different sort of thing. But the important part of getting seen is knowing what you want to be seen for, okay, and and understanding where the conversation starts and how to plug into that conversation and keep it going and attract the individual that's going to want to carry on that conversation with you or by reading your book. And it's really about that engagement. And it happens everywhere, online, um, you know, one-on-one, you know, but podcasts, um, you know, podcasting tours for authors are gold if they Uh get on the right podcasts. Uh, so it's not about just getting on any podcast. You want to get on a podcast where the conversation relates to the topic your book is about,
0: sure.
2: you know, so my, you don't on your show, you you're kind of well-rounded. I mean, you can talk about just about anything, but if your show was geared to sci-fi
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I was a crime writer. It's not the show for me, <laughs> you know? And so this is the disconnect. Unfortunately, they think just get on any podcast, just get your word out there because there's an audience everywhere. Well, nah, it doesn't necessarily work in your favor if you haven't narrowed down the right audience.
1: Yeah, no, I agree because, you know, there's a few different podcasts I listen to daily while I'm working doing my nine to five. And that's how I figured out certain books or whatever. And just like you told me about the profit on this one, but you know, I wanted to ask, as far as publishing goes, I've always wondered this: is it better, worse, or not really anything to self-publish a book, or should you have, you know, an, a huge publishing company publish your book, or does it really matter?
2: So the idea is that you want an agent and you want to be published, but that doesn't happen as much anymore. So you actually have to write letters to agents and get on their their radar, and then your book would be reviewed by them, and then they can decide whether to take you on. There's hundreds and thousands of people writing letters to agents. So having said, you want to wait for a traditional publisher or even an indie publisher, like smaller publishing houses, there's nothing wrong with them either. Uh, So it doesn't have to be a really large publishing house even. But if publish versus don't publish. So if you have to self-publish, self-publish. I mean, not getting it out there is better than waiting for somebody to say, okay, yeah, we'll take you on. Like, we want get you want to get it out there. You don't want to not put it out just because somebody isn't behind you. You know, do, do what you can to get it out there regardless.
1: Do people in a writing community look down on people who self-publish or does it really matter? You know, like, I guess, cause when I was, when I, like earlier, when I said I was actually thinking about getting my doc doctorate, you know, there's, you can get a PhD and an EDS and an EDD. And, but when I was talking to one of my advisors, they said, you know, if you're going to get it, you should go for a PhD because, you know, people in this community or whatever you want to say, network, they look down, people with PhDs look down on doctorates with the EDD or EDS or whatever it's called, you know, and just, you know, if you just go full blown with it.
2: You gotta love society. You know, no matter where no, seriously, I mean no matter where you go, somebody's gonna be looking down on somebody. No. Yeah, okay. So uh yes, it will happen. Yes, there are there are people who look down on people who are self published. Does that mean you shouldn't do it? No. Do it anyway. If you want to be published and you're waiting for someone, and that's not gonna be an option because you're waiting, do it anyway. Um, There's also people that get looked down on for promoting themselves as an Amazon bestseller, right? Right. Because they say, if you're an Amazon bestseller, you're not necessarily a bestseller. There's a system. There's a system to play around with Amazon to get yourself on the bestsellers list. So... It depends on what you know and who you know and what you know about the industry as to whether or not, no matter where you go, somebody's going to look down on you because they know something different than you. So an Amazon bestseller status once used to be a great thing, and now by some it's looked at as not necessarily a great thing, and they're actually encouraging people not to promote it because we know it can be manipulated with keywords. The system is manipulated. It's played with.
1: So... I never knew that. So, it's like the algorithm, you can like you can change or work the system just to get your book into the bestsellers list.
2: Keywords and categories. Really? Yeah. That's why there's people out there teaching you how to use your categories and your keywords. So the best people when somebody's helping you place your book on Amazon, yeah. um, you you want to make sure you're getting into the right category with the right keywords. You know, so, and, and not to say so. You become a bestseller. Wonderful. Wonderful. Fantastic. But again, there's like I say, somebody's going to look down on you because of something, no matter what you do.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. But you just kind of blew my mind with that. I didn't realize you could work Amazon bestseller list like that using certain keywords. And I mean, I know for search term and tagging podcasts and videos and stuff like that. But for books, I wouldn't think you would be able to manipulate the system like that. I mean they're
2: working on changing it, but okay. yeah, it has been a, it has been a racket for probably I oh, don't know, a good twelve, thirteen years now.
1: I mean what key do you know the keywords that you know people need to look for or what ranks are book higher than others? Is it just based on, you know, current events? Is it based on whatever it's trending and-
2: there's actually tools out there that I can share with you that help you with that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, the point is it depends on the topic of your book uh, and it depends on the title of your book and it depends on where your book's published. Um, you know, is it Canada, U.S., United Kingdom, like where in Australia, where are you putting it? So the keywords are different based on uh, where it's available as well.
1: That makes sense because you know I've interviewed a lot of authors on here. Well, I, I don't really like using the term interview, just because I've always hated interviews growing up. So I guess I've spoken with a bunch of authors. It was kind of what you said that you know it seems like that was just to get on a podcast, go on a tour, and just promote their book as much as they can because it seems like it's very tough promoting their stuff nowadays. But, um, but yeah, you know, I guess I don't know if I've actually had anybody tell me they're an Amazon bestseller if they were. I can't remember if they are, and if they are, I'm sorry if I. And, you know messing up anybody but I wonder it's just I'm just kind of going back everything like oh I wonder if they were kind of trying to manipulate the system just to get their sales up and put stuff like that so I mean no disrespect but I mean I understand you got to do what you got to do I guess to a certain point but
2: well and if you not- know how to do it good for you for doing it um, you know so uh, I said leverage leverage your tools but I mean Publisher Rocket is very common. It's a tool that helps optimize categories and keywords and get your book in front of more Amazon shoppers. It's a very public tool. It's one of the resources I have on my website. So, uh, you know, if I, I also try to take somebody who's self-published and help them not be just on Amazon... So there's that too. I mean, there's all kinds of places to be published besides Amazon. Amazon's just one place. But definitely uh, Publisher Rocket is one of those ones that knows exactly um, how important keywords and categories is. And and they have a tool that optimizes um, those, those keywords and categories. And they'll help you with Amazon ads and all those sorts of things.
1: Where do you tell people to go other than Amazon? I mean, I thought, you know, Amazon's the first one everyone goes to, but is there other better places?
2: There, There's lots of wonderful books out. I mean, I like um, Why for the Win is a, a great book, and I happen to know the the authors, uh, one personally, and the other one just more so online. But Mark Leslie LaFave is um, – the one who brought that book out and it's wide for the win actually teaches authors how to um, put their book out on multiple platforms, you know, so it's not just about having your book in ebook form, it's having it in other formats too, like you say, audio book yeah. and um, backpack and a backpack, sorry. A,
0: yeah.
2: a backpack form wouldn't that be great for a book. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, but that one, that one definitely takes you through, um, you know, what it is to be published wide and, and the benefits. I mean, we have Kobo, in addition to Kindle. And, you know, there's, yeah, it's Canadian. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and but that would be a really good book if that was something that you were interested in. It's basically takes you through you know the resources and the links for taking a good book and publishing it wide so that it's on multiple platforms and and more visible that way.
1: are authors pushed to a certain format to do you know you know like, you know ebook, audiobook or you know the actual physical you know I mean like I said, you know I'm an audiobook guy, but I mean, I know people who still love sitting down with a physical book, and I don't know which i try I, I do that too, but it's harder for me to get through the book rather than. I could just go listen to it anytime I want to.
2: Yeah, I, I, I would say some are pushed, some are not. I mean, there's a lot of authors that are just ebook format only. There are a lot of authors that have 15, 20 books that are only ebook available. um you know it depends on again what your focus is those are a lot of those books are business funnel generating type books you know uh fiction authors we want to be able to hold the book we want especially if it's a book series i want to collect all of them so i want everyone in in physical format but i also want to be able to listen to them so I, i encourage every format make it available as many ways possible so you can reach as many people as possible
1: I mean, are you
0: reading?
2: doesn't mean you have to do them all at once, um, but there's tools out there to do it. Uh, I mean, a, an author friend of mine, originally she didn't have any of her books on Audible, and that was one of the obstacles for me for, for being able to take them in, it's like, are they on Audible? Everything I'm listening to right now is on Audible, I just don't have time to sit with a physical copy sure. um, or a digital copy on my computer. My brain's full, I don't want to look at it, I want to listen. So my eyes hurt, you know, it's like, I just give them, like, I want my ears to do the work. And so, you know, ultimately she put all her books on Audible. It took some time. She read them herself, which is fantastic. She's now reading for others. But, um, you know, it was wrapping her head around, why is this necessary? Well, it's reach. It's It's yeah. exposure. It's visibility. It's...
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, some people stick or, or stick to a certain platform or stick to the only one. They don't want to go anywhere else. But yeah, if you can put out your stuff to multiple platforms, I mean, yeah, you know, just it's like you said, more reach, it's better. You know, even if you're only getting up two views or two whatever on that one platform, it's still somebody's out there listening to it, you know. So why not? I mean, why not put it out there as much as you can? I mean, you got to market yourself and expose yourself. And, and the why
2: not is uh, I don't want to do the work.
1: Well, <laughs> well, that's, really-
2: that's the why not. It's like this, this takes energy. This takes research. This takes me doing something more than what I was doing or something different than what I was doing. And I don't want to.
1: Yeah. That was one thing, you know, when I started this was that, you know, I wanted to treat it like an actual job and that, hey, if I'm going to, you know, when I first started it, you know, I thought it was never going to take off and not that it's taken off now, but. You know, like three or four episodes in, I'd be done with it or whatever. But you know, when people started coming to me and actually wanting to talk and actually supporting me, I was like, "Ooh, I need to treat this like an actual job—not a full-time job, but a part-time job at least." And that way, if I want it to grow or be successful, then you know, I'm a firm believer that whatever you put into something, you'll get back out of it. You know, and I'm, that's yeah. it seems like it's and, all sometimes, all right. and all right.
2: sometimes it's so amplified, you have absolutely no idea what you put in is minuscule compared to what you get back. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm so they,
2: here's another quote. I got to do it.
1: That's fine. Yeah. I love quotes, man. I'll write them down. So go ahead.
2: All the same book. Um, you know, and it's uh, you give, but little when you give of your possessions, it is when you give of yourself that you truly give.
1: Read that one again. I like that one. You give, but
2: little when you give of your possessions it is when you give of yourself that you truly give interesting and that's what we do every day in our conversations with these podcasts mm-hmm. okay because there's a little piece of us in every single one of them and we give us
1: it's not even a podcast though i mean just you know i, I wanted to always say that when i was doing these podcasts that we'd be having the same conversation at dinner or whatever, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, it wouldn't be any different than what I would do then, but yeah, maybe not as personal, I guess, or not overshare too much, but for the most part, yeah, that, and that, and that's kind of like, I don't know if you want to call this art or a create, it's definitely creative, I think, but you know, we, we we have podcasts every day, just even if they're not recorded or, or if they are recorded, you know, just like, you know, we, uh, if, like I said, if we met at a coffee shop and we were talking about books or whatever, I think we'd be talking about the same stuff, you know, and we, like you said, we give up ourselves in that conversation and, you know, you dive into it and you learn stuff. Yeah. I guess that was my point is that it can be best of both worlds right there, you know, either recording or not recording, you know? Yeah. Well, you're
2: not- giving me your undivided attention mm-hmm. and you're giving me conversation and connection.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes I wonder if, you know, if the humans or civilization, whatever you want to say, are losing that connection, you know, based with, so, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm pro social media. I like it. I'm probably as addicted to it as anyone else, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, and I've talked about this before on here too, but, you know, you know I work in higher education, but we're seeing trends and students who seem to have or coming you know, mental, more mental illnesses because of social media based on, you know, cause I think now we're in the generations where students and children have grown up with a screen always in front of them where it was just coming about when I was leaving college. I think, you know, I think we got Facebook in 2006 or seven and that was kind of towards my end of college, you know, with it. So I don't know if that's a healthy balance for me, but I always thought it was because, I, okay, I knew about it, but I never, felt like I always had to be in there, but you know, of right. course I just said I was pretty, young. I mean, I'm addicted to anyone else on social media. So I, I found myself mindlessly scrolling this one, you know, they're in the middle of a TV show or whatever. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, I, uh, I didn't grow up with it. I mean, I didn't even have a cell phone until I was in my thirties. So
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah I-
2: I can remember I was getting married and my husband at the time gave me a cell phone. Well, soon to be husband. He gave, it was a gift. He gave me as a wedding gift was a cell phone. It was like, okay, (laughs) what do I need this for? No, (laughs) we're planning a wedding. Somebody might need to talk to you on the day. Oh, okay. (laughs) okay, (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, and then, uh, you know, as soon as I was all over social media, it's like I, I was the one with the smartphone With all of the attachments to it so that I could um, be as mobile as possible before all that mobility existed, uh, you know, I was using the apps and I I had a a keyboard that connected to my, it was a Palm Trio at the time, and uh, I had a camera that connected and I had a backup storage and all of this that i had all these attachments to it so as soon as i was in i was full in you know yeah. and it was tech techier than tech was when it all started coming out and then and then the apple iphone you know yeah. <laughs> and i haven't looked back i you what? know it used to be palm smartphone you know, all on the other side of the fence and now it's all apple everything
1: Oh, I'm an Apple fanboy. I love it. But I mean, you know, even like with your line of work, like you're saying, you know, editing podcasts and being a producer and everything, you got to have it now. I mean, without it, you can't do anything.
0: I mean, yeah. What? What there is There are
2: that? a lot of people who run podcasts just with their smartphone. I still need my laptop. I still need my editing software on my laptop. I still need my. Um, You know, all all my iMovie and my Descript and all my um, back-end stuff. I don't want to edit my my website off my phone. I don't, that's not, that's not the way I want to do it. Um, You know, I I should be using uh, my phone more for Instagram and TikTok cuz they're they're built for a smartphone but I still upload on my desktop to TikTok and Instagram you know so it's like where's the desktop version of this yeah. <laughs> so um I I'm, I'm still in both I haven't c- completely moved over to the smartphone yet but yeah it's no, coming.
1: I know people who just record. Well, I don't really know them, but I've heard or read articles, of people just recording on their smartphone and yeah. the mics know anything. I think they just make a voice memo or however you do it and upload it from there. And I guess that's a good, I mean, that's a good way to do it. If you want to start something like a podcast or start anything, find a way to do it and then slowly build off from there and find out, you know, like your. are I'm the same way, you know, I'll, I like editing on my laptop or desktop or whatever I have and stuff and recording and all that. But yeah, I mean, if that's the tools you have at the time, you know that's what you got to do. You know I've always said that. You know if you give somebody a hammer, they can either build a house with it or you know or do nothing with it and just hurt themselves with it. You know so, hurt
2: themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know this hit themselves in the knee with it all day. And it's like well, you know, what you got to do. I mean, you got to do something. I mean, if you want, if you want, it's like you said, you got to do the work earlier. You know, and if, if you want something to grow, if you want something big, you got to start. So you got to start. Everyone's got their day one of some somewhere, somewhere, whether it be the gym, podcast, writing. Yeah. Whatever.
2: Well, then it could be that, I mean, I have a, if I took a look at it more, it could be that my life could be way simpler if I moved over to one platform consistently versus using both. Uh, and I have to take a look at that. Maybe I could shorten up my, my window of time for delivery. I don't know, but it's again, until I take a look, I don't know.
1: Yeah. That was one thing for me is that it was a huge learning curve, like, you know, editing, recording, you know, what software do you use? What, you know, what, what mics should I be buying and stuff like that. And it was a huge learning curve and you know, slowly along your way you find out like what works for you and what, you know, is your niches. And now I've actually talked to people on here that actually show me better ways of, you know, editing my stuff. And I was, oh, that's makes perfect sense. I didn't even know you could do that. Cause you know, I mean, I'm not an Adobe master by any means, but I'm just a guy who looks up new stuff on YouTube and, it gets my education from there or, or the random conversations I have. So, yeah.
2: So what do you use? I use Buzzsprout.
1: Uh, as my podcast host. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Red Circle. Okay. And,
2: and for my, editing, what do you use?
1: I use Premiere Pro now.
2: Okay. So yeah. I use a combination of iMovie okay. and Descript. And I off, sometimes I use Otter because tra- I transcribed all my shows as well and then when i uh upload them uh i create a depending on the relationship i have with the guest um i either just push them out on my social media platforms or i um create a blog post around them gotcha and then i have the transcription goes out as well separately with embedded codes and what have you, if there's joint ventures or what have you that are wrapped up in those. But I found with Descript, um, it it transcribes, I have to go through, I do, I go through the whole video um, and I spend a lot of time in editing. uh, And I want to shorten that window because I can spend a day, day and a half editing if I really (laughs) feel like I want to wrap some pretty bow around the episode, right? So that I need to shorten that window um, and it pushes with Descript. I can push it out to Descript has its own platform so it'll do video and transcription uh, both together when it pushes out the episode and then I up, it uploads directly to Buzzsprout for me. I just have to click on the tab. Um, it downloads the transcription and it uh, also links directly to YouTube. So I find that I don't have to then download the MP4 and upload it separately. So that makes a difference for me, especially on my computer when I'm looking at the Zoom recording that I have, that's already been uploaded to the the editing software, and then I'm gonna download it again, and it's taking up all that space on my computer. But recently I interviewed uh, Tim Heal, and he's using StreamYard. So I'm looking at StreamYard. To see,
1: is it good you know, what I can do there. Transcribe it? Hmm? You, you said you transcribe the episodes. Yeah. Is that Absolutely. a necessity or is it just something you do? I mean, I've never done that with mine. I mean, is it?
2: I, I like to do it because, um, you know, ultimately at some point I will turn my podcasts into a book.
0: Hey,
1: good idea. Right? Yeah. So.
2: Um, you know, that's the, and which podcast, but also, um, if I'm doing a joint venture for a guest and we're marketing something, uh, you know, like Sean Tyler Foley, we're marketing his 100 podcasts in 100 days. It's a, a speaker challenge. Okay. And so to get on as many podcasts as you can so that you, you know, talk more about your, um, message and you get out there and you do your own little podcasting tour you know and, and share who you are and what your business is and I'm taking part in it but the embedded links for that course that he has are in the transcript transcribed show so that I can then put that up as a it's part of the blog post you just click on the link and you can find all the um, all the whole transcribed show is right on that blog post but I can also take that article and I can put it up on LinkedIn Right. So I can leverage the different platforms and in the different formats. So I've got audio, video, video, written word, uh, you know, all of those. I got all the different pieces of um, they call it. There's a terminology for this. The way we take in information, right? Yeah. Audio, visual, whether we read, we take in best by reading or best by listening. I've got all of the elements. So however you want to take it in, it's
1: available. Do you think people are in an information overload in today's times with all the information that they take in?
2: Totally. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. We are inundated with information. Always. You know, so it's so important then to catch somebody where they want to be instead of trying to uh, catch them in the only one way. You know, so if I'm not receptive to audio, we have video. If I'm not receptive to video, then we've got article, you know. So, yeah, And, and smaller, and this is what I'm, I push, I push. The smaller the pieces of content, the better. Because I can always catch somebody's attention. And if they want more, they can go find it. You know, so create smaller pieces, give them a way to find the bigger pieces. And, you know, the more ways that we can get someone's attention without taking up too much of their time or energy, the better.
0: Yeah,
1: like give them a little short, little teaser, see it. Then if they want more, I, I got 100%. I mean, that's, you know, what a lot of people seem to be pushing towards. You know, even YouTube has gone to the YouTube shorts and then, you know, Instagram. Has- <laughs> And, you know, TikTok is like whatever amount of seconds it is. But, yes, yeah, and if you want more, I guess you just follow the links and link in bio, go to more. So, yeah. I, was,
2: I did a, um, a show. With, it was Justin Shank. And we were talking about uh, the amount of attention you actually get is eight seconds. Eight seconds. And it's like, well, I know my sound bites when I create them through Buzzsprout. They're anywhere from... 30 seconds 15 30 45 and 60 seconds the biggest soundbite way i can create is i mean i could do it with listen notes too but i use buzzsprout um and my sound bites go out for 30 seconds and so i could take that soundbite and put it into can- uh, canva and turn it into a video yeah and then it could be however long i want it to be it could be a minute and 30 seconds, it could be three minutes. Or I could take that video in iMovie or in script and then cut it into three minutes. Like, So the digestible content varies in, in the length so that I'm catching somebody. I want the eight seconds. I want the 30 seconds. I want the 60 seconds. I want the 130. I want the three minutes. And then I want you know to feed them into the larger piece of content.
1: Good strategy. I like that. I mean, it makes perfect sense, you know, especially with, you know, people's short attention spans right now that you catch them in all the different ways and then boom, if they want more, they know how to do it. It makes perfect sense. I wanted to ask that, you know, when you're working with you, you know, speak of information overload, I mean, are you constantly reading books with the working with authors and, you know, dealing with podcasts? I mean, are you kind of dealing with that yourself just so much and, you know, do you ever get like a little burnout you got to assist, Sit back and reset and then go back at it.
2: So we want to talk about burnout. Here we go. (laughs) Friday night, I was supposed to go out to um, listen to a band play. And it had been like the first time in a long time I was actually going to go out and listen to live music. And it was like 4.30 in the afternoon. And I had been editing all day. And I just, I'm just going to have a nap. Yeah. I'm just going to catch 20 minutes, and then I'm good to go, right? Well, if I didn't go to sleep right till 1130. <laughs> and then I got up and went back to bed and slept till 830. And it was like, okay, okay, I needed that. Yeah. Damn it, I wanted to go out. <laughs> but I, I needed it. So, yeah, and it happens to me in different levels. But I really have to be careful about uh how much I take on and and clearly I didn't need to say yes to that live band but I needed to say yes to some other things and there's there's the juggling for sure and today I get to do this and I get to do uh some more editing and some blog post building some transcribing and then I have a book to read for an interview tomorrow
1: how many books do you read
2: I I can't even tell you how I have a blink that plays every morning uh, it comes in to me at uh, midnight. It's through a service called Blinkist. So I get a new book every morning. So that's definitely one every day. Uh, and it's a synopsis, right? So it's a, it's a anywhere from five minute to 15 minutes summary of the book. Okay. Um, I've got five on Audible that I'm taking in whenever I get a chance to uh, listen to something other than music. Or or transcribe an interview, but uh, yeah, I read probably three books, full books, a week. In addition to those blanks every morning,
1: that is impressive. Well, <laughs> I mean, like I, I, you know, I know people who go through a book and like one book a week or whatever. And like, I thought I was doing good doing a, one a month, but three in a week. That's impressive.
2: Yeah. Well, it's crazy. one. Of, it's one of those things where I have to decide. You know, I be car- I'm careful about making sure that. Uh, the books are a combination of something that helps me learn, uh, something that helps entertain me. So fiction, a mix of fiction and nonfiction. Some books have not been published yet. Yeah. So they're in the, the editing stages and I'm getting to read them before they publish. And so there's there's time sensitive books. Some of the books are 100 pages. Some of them are 350. So they vary in, in different lengths as well.
1: Do you retain uh, most of everything you read.
2: I wouldn't say that. No, I would not say that. I say uh, the interviews definitely. uh, When I go back through an interview, I go. It's like a brand new experience for me. It's like I'll record an episode with a guest, and then I'm going through it again, and I'm going, oh, did we really talk about that? <laughs> it's like <laughs> because I'm so in the moment. That's good. Um, That's you know. Cool. That it's just, you're just letting things flow when it's happening. But when you go back over it and went, like, oh, yeah, wow, that was great.
0: <laughs> you, you know, know?
1: That's, that's one of the beauties, like I found out when doing these podcasts is that, you know, before a couple of emails or whatever, you know, we corresponded. I didn't know what I was getting into when you came online here. And I was like, you know, we might hit it off. We might not. It could be a complete train wreck. I don't know, but, you know, and we don't know. And that's why I like the free flowing stuff that, you know, we don't, I don't like to rehearse and it feels more authentic and that, you know, I don't really know what I'm going to say next. And then half the time I might do a little rant and then you feed off that and we're dancing and we're going back and forth. And, but yeah, Yeah. then you, you, something magic happens, I guess you could say. And, you know, I guess you call it a podcast or a conversation, but yeah, that's like one of the cool things I like about it is that, you know, even half the time when I'm talking, I don't really know what I'm going to say next. It just starts to come out. Then, like you said, like i during my editing or whatever, it's like, oh yeah, we did talk about that. I, yeah.
2: yeah, you know. Yeah, I have found that there. I I have needed to create a bit more structure as a host uh, with regards to shows. I mean, I definitely have a bit of a. a thing that I go through where I definitely want to introduce a person we definitely want to talk about the book we want to talk about anything that's joint venture related if we created that I want to ask about what inspires them why they decided to write I want to get their favorite quote maybe their favorite book or a mentor you know there's some some structure right and then at the same time I want to make sure there's elements in there so that uh, it shortens my editing process right because I found uh, I can get going like this with someone we can have a conversation and then ultimately there is a theme to the conversation and there's some of the conversation that just doesn't have to exist
0: Sure.
2: you know and so then the the editing part is like that's easier you take out the the fluff stuff but then i like to take those and make outtakes out of them
0: okay right so
2: i'm getting with with Daniel Alfon, I got an interview coming up where we talk about he goes through my LinkedIn profile and he actually just shows me the ways that I can make it better and uh, it there's parts in there where we talk about music, you know, like what inspires him is music and it's like how does that fit into your LinkedIn profile, it doesn't. You know, so, you know, how to make it, uh, put it all together. So, you know, it it creates a lot of opportunity to play, I think.
1: Did did you have a mentor or somebody kind of helping you out with this? Or did you just kind of figure it out yourself? Like, you know, trial and error.
2: I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Yeah,
1: love it, <laughs> love it. Yeah,
2: but again, I'm I'm digging in, uh, so i I'm getting the m- most out of it that I can. I mean, I do take inspiration from the uh, pod pros community. I did take in uh, recently in the last, you know, say. or five months. Uh, I took in quarter one in January and I took in quarter two here that just happened in April. There'll be a quarter three in in July. And I have listened to, you know, individuals that have come to that quarterly event and and heard what they had to say. And then I go, okay, well, I'm already doing that. I'm already doing that. And oh, I could add this. And how do I put a different spin on this than what they're doing? Because I don't want to be like anybody else. And yeah so there's inspiration for sure don't get me wrong i mean i am not going to pretend that i am cutting the cloth in this space because that's definitely not the case but i do have a different way of going about it
1: do you think you know with podcasts and the future and new technology like we've kind of been touching on do you think we're going to see a new form of not necessarily podcast but what like what's going to be the next thing that you know people kind of you know like nfts seem to be the big thing now and like celebrities are going to the metaverse and stuff i mean and we were talking about this last night i was out with some friends for dinner and you know like what's the next big thing that you know like i said earlier podcast is still kind of the wild west that people are still trying to figure it out like you said inspiration here how do i want to structure my show what do i want to go to and you know like what cnn plus just came out with their thing and streaming service and it failed tremendously and they're cutting it out Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess that's my question though. I mean, do you see it, you know, like Netflix just took a huge hit of losing subscribers or stock went down. I mean, you know, is streaming going to be, you know, what's going to be the next streaming? What's going to be the next podcast? You got any insights or anything? Cause I wonder that too. Like, is there going to be a next big thing and a jump on early?
2: I don't think it's new, um, but I think I haven't invested enough time or energy in the, in the Twitch space. Um, but i'm I'm definitely moving there. Uh, there's definitely a lot um with regards to gaming yep you know i I don't know that it's gonna be the next thing, but are there are the avenues that I haven't explored enough that I'd like to take a deeper look into. Um, but I really I can't even tell you like i wouldn't I wouldn't have even been able to tell you um that I would have been in the podcasting space two years ago. Like I was just interviewing authors and putting it up on YouTube. (laughs) And then it was like, okay, what do you mean? Just YouTube. (laughs) There's more. I can just do audio. (laughs) You mean I can take my YouTube and put it on audio? Like I'm, I'm not a predictor of the next thing. You know, I'll look at it and see if it's a place to play. And then maybe I might play there a little bit and see where it goes. But I, I couldn't tell you. I'm kind of at a loss for that.
1: (laughs) I mean, because like, you know, I, I think about this a lot. That you know, when I really find something that I like, it seems like I find it too late. You know, that you know, like when I found CrossFit, I was in my late twenties, and most people who are athletes and in their prime, I guess you could say, their early twenties and to mid twenties. Maybe sometimes your late twenties. I mean, there's outliers to that, of course, but you know, even that. Then you know, a now I'm. Book
2: too. That's a good book too. What is it? <laughs> you yeah, know, the outliers,
1: the outliers. And then, um, uh, yeah, I think I, have I read that? Anyway, I don't know. But <laughs> I, I guess my point is that, you know, it's just that, you know, when I find something, I don't want to be finding it too late. I want to be on the early start of it and actually ride the wave to see where it goes, you know, cause I don't think podcasts are going out by any means, but you know, like I said earlier, there's what millions and millions of podcasts now. And it's, I don't know if it's oversaturated or what, but you know, and it's just, you know, like one of my friends is like, well, it's hard to make it in podcasts. Like, well, you know, you're probably right. But, um, you know, not everybody can be, you know, Joe Rogan or the true crime podcast and all that, which always seems to be the top tiers. But, yeah, I don't know. I was like to wonder, like, what's going to be the next big thing? And like gaming, I mean, and, you know, I, like I said earlier, I work in higher education and we're starting to not we, I'm not doing it, but they're building facilities based on just e-gaming and they're giving scholarships to students just to come like, a, you know, like an athletic sport, come play Video game yeah. for for scholars.
2: VR, VR, yeah, it it was it blew me away when they they brought Minecraft into the educational space. Yeah. I it was like when I first started looking at it. I'm a mom, so uh, I just went, oh my gosh, they're teaching you how to grow mushrooms and they're teaching you how to grow. Um, plants and you're cultivating and they've teaching you all these gemstone like minerals and gems it's like minecraft was educational from the beginning and it's like well why didn't they see this sooner you know but i mean i think maybe chris you might have to bring it whatever's next you might have to create
1: it that's what i that's what i like you know i like i found that i do like creating things you know and yeah. you know and like trying to you know build people around me to help because i'm you know i'd like working a team and you know, and I'm not the smartest guy by any means, but, you know, if you create a team around you, it's like, okay, what's going to pop? What's going to be the next big thing? And then, you know, I can share it with you and like, hey, why don't you jump on this wave with me and let's see where it goes. And it could be an auditory failure, but it could be a next cool thing. So, it's yeah, I like I like to keep my head on a swivel now. Like, what are people going towards, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah, well, like Henry Ford, like he wasn't the smartest one. He just attracted all the, the intellectual people that he needed to create something huge, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah, and look look how that worked out. You know, now we got cars everywhere. So yeah, right.
2: We right. <laughs> started with fixing bikes. You know, on the side of the road. You know, so yeah. You just let try. me know. Let me know what you're bringing.
1: <laughs> all right. Yeah, we'll take we'll take it home on that. You know, we'll end up with there. But yeah, the next time, get you back on here and figure out what we uh, what I'm bringing and the next big thing. But if people want to find you and all that good stuff, and how do they do all that?
2: Oh, online for authors anywhere, online for authors.org online for authors on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, everywhere.
1: <laughs> good deal. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for doing this. This is, uh, I got some gr- good pearls and gems out of this. So yeah, stuff I want to start looking at myself. So.
2: Wow. It was a great way to spend a Sunday, Chris. Thanks Always. for having me on.
1: Always. All right. Uh, take care everybody. We're out of here. Be good to yourselves.